0: Oh shit, I sent the wrong sticker. <laughs> I hate it when this happens, you know. Like, I want to send something in and I said a sticker not
1: sorry, not in a good headspace right now. Ew. Hello and welcome to Hidden Among Us. Hi, guys. Hi. Episode 14, guys. Yeah, it's been, wow, it's been 14 weeks. That's insane.
0: (laughs) That's a full semester workload eh.
1: Yes, a full semester. Also, 14 is a lucky number. Did you say lucky? It is
0: my favourite number.
1: Oh, it's your favourite number? That's cool. My favourite number is... I don't have a favourite. My favourite time of the day though is 745 I don't know why I just like. AM PM that matters. PM I just like seven forty five PM, like something about the forty five. i like, and the seven, it makes no sense. I'm making zero sense right now. <laughs> so
0: how how has your week been, guys?
1: Pretty <laughs> tiring. School is. Why? And because it's week form. so this is when like all your all our professors are like reminding us that we have upcoming essays. I hate it, oh my god. Ugh, there's so much work to be done. Right, and I'm like, um it's only wait for take a chill pill, dude, please. Yeah. Also, i we're recording this on a Thursday. So um tomorrow, which is the fourth of September is Teachers Day, so happy Teachers Day to all teachers out oh. there.
0: <laughs> wait, Teachers Day is not on first September. I don't
1: know. Google says is 4th. I'm pretty sure it was 1st September also, but I don't know if they pushed it or something. I don't what
0: know. What the? Like,
1: because of the pandemic, it
0: pushed it by the
1: no. I thought they celebrated it already. Um, yeah, my uh, sister celebrated it today. Yeah, yeah. Today is a because tomorrow is the holiday. Tomorrow's there Teacher is a Day school
0: holiday. holiday. Yeah,
1: tomorrow is Teacher's Day holiday. Did we have Teacher's Day holiday? I don't remember. I just know we have celebrations. I have no idea. But anyway, um, happy Teacher's Day to all teachers, especially... Yes. Um, this year because this year was difficult so y'all had like a yes, harder yes. time changing curriculum and everything on short notice. Yes. Indeed. yeah. And not just academic teachers I guess. Like if you teach something happy teacher's day to you.
0: <laughs> mm. I respect. It's teacher's day. Oh my god. Children's day is when again? October?
1: Children's day. Yeah. Children's day is first October.
0: Oh my god, they are, oh. I wonder if people still celebrate Children's Day. i sure I mean, we are. haven't been in, like, an mm. in, like, official institution. Oh, yeah. So we, we wouldn't know, like, whether they still, like, formally celebrate. Mm. Yeah, because...
1: I day. mean, today... Sorry. Carry
0: on. No, because today in lecture, like, I was wishing my teacher, like, my prof, like, happy Day and she was so shocked, because she didn't get, like... Happy Teacher's Day in the longest time, really. So I was just like, whoa. Do people not celebrate Teacher's Day after being moved up to institutions? Like, there's no such thing as Happy Professor's Day.
1: Yeah, but they're still teachers in a way. Yeah, they Mm -hmm. are teachers. Anyway, do you have like, any interesting Teacher's Day stories? Or like, how you all celebrated in school?
0: Uh... (laughs) No, I, I don't... I mean I love my teachers. Some teachers. Um
1: You mean your school didn't have like a Teachers Day concert or anything?
0: Yeah, but I would never volunteer myself to perform. Oh
1: because my secondary school was like very big on like concerts for these kind of events. So like the school council would like plan everything. And it was like really, really fun. There'll be like honestly can't remember what went down but it was it was really fun and like everyone had fun. Teachers, students. Everyone. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess we have also. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I kind of miss those school celebrations. Those formal, just sit in the hall, listen to people dance and sing. Sometimes yeah. good, sometimes horrible. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, the teachers always put up like some sort of dance yeah. or something. And then it's like, there'll be that one teacher that no one expects anything from and then they're like dancing Yeah, then dance, Yeah, yeah like, the whole exactly. The wild. Yes. It's super, super fun. I remember in primary school, we had this one teacher who was like, she was like very, very tomboyish. And then mm-hmm. on one of the just days, like they rolled her in. Like she legit was like rolled in on something. And she was like wearing a dress, and had makeup and like wearing mm-hmm. girly accessories. So like the whole school went wild. <laughs> Didn't expect it from this teacher.
0: I I would get why you guys have nothing else to say, then I'm willing to share my story for this week, which could be a little long, but it's very interesting. <laughs>
1: Woohoo. I'm excited. I'm yeah. nervous and excited. I love it.
0: Okay, so this story happened in Korea. <gasps> okay.
1: Yes. Um, I think it's
0: quite a famous case. The reason why I picked this is because it recently came out on my YouTube and I watched a full documentary about it and I was just very intrigued by this. Um, It is also
1: an unsolved case. Oh. Okay. Can I guess?
0: Yes, I think you can guess.
1: Frog Boys.
0: Yes, that's right. <laughs> Wait, what is this? I've, I've never heard of this before. Do you watch the documentary, Honda? Uh, I watched the CNA one. Yeah, correct. That's the one that came across on my timeline. I watched it and I was so interested in it. So I went to... Yeah, I wanted to do a story about it. It, it is yeah, really it is. quite interesting. There's a lot of theories. So I thought we could talk about that after sharing the story.
1: Okay. Wait, wait. What's it called again? Frog Boys? Yeah. Um. They're like, called Frog like, like Boys. Like Ribbit Ribbit Frog.
0: Yeah, like Ribbit oh, Ribbit okay. Frog. And there's a reason why they're called um, Frog Boys, which I'll touch on in a bit. So this particular case of the Frog Boys was actually one of the most notorious like um. Like missing children cases in South Korea. Um, because their bodies, I think it actually situated, it actually happened in 1991 and their bodies were only found in 2002.
1: Oh, that's a long time. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's a very, very long time. So, like in some, like in March 26, 1991, five great schoolers went missing in. I'm gonna butcher a lot of names here. So, for our audience, I am so sorry if I'm pronouncing. (laughs) <laughs> this wrongly, but this is Mount Waryong situated in Dalseo District of Daegu, Ooh. South Korea. Okay. Yeah. So initially, the children told their parents that they were heading to Mount Waryong to find some salamander eggs for fun. So that's actually where they get, um, you know, the name the, the boys. Yeah. So when the boys actually went missing, news station actually reported about the disappearance. And they swapped sal- salamander eggs for frog eggs because Korean people weren't familiar with salamanders. Yeah, <laughs> so that's how they got the term frog voice. Okay. So the victims involved um were varied in age, and surprisingly, it's of like ascending order. So we have um Jong Sik Kim who is nine. We have Park Chan In which is ten. Kim myung 11, and Jo Jo Ho-yeon, 12, and Woo Cho-won, who's 13. So, what happened in 1991 was that on March 26th, it was actually a temporary holiday because it was the first regional election in Korean history. So nationwide, it was like, uh, I think it's a half-day thing where Mm. you you, you have your elections in the morning. Mm, Okay. And then... Around 8am in the morning, six children attending the Songso Elementary School. So the five victims and one other guy called Kim Tae-ryong were playing near Jo ho house. So Jo ho is the 12-year-old boy here. So he's one of the five victims that were involved in this um case. But um, a tenant at Joe's house actually complained that they were too loud and told them to go somewhere else to play. So one of the six boys, which is Tae-ryong, actually left um and went home to eat breakfast. So he, th- that's why it wasn't six victims so at five, because one of them actually left. So the rest of the five children actually headed to the nearby mountain, which is Mao Weyong where tin with tin and sticks in their hands, because they were going to look for salamander eggs, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, Ho Yon's brother, uh, Ho Yon being the 12 year old boy, um, Mu Yon actually, like, Stumbled upon them while he was bicycling around the town. And the children actually told him that they were going to the mountain to look for salamander eggs. So they knew. So, um, later, tae actually attempted to join the group again. So he ate breakfast and I think after that he just wanted to go. Um, but, and he caught up with the group at the entrance of the Ryong hiking trail. But actually, after hearing the group will hike at Mount Waryong, tae was afraid of his mom's like, scolding mm-hmm. of like straying too far away from home so he decided to come back um, unknowingly avoiding that dark tragic fate that the rest of the other five children actually met with lah. Oh, dear. so around 6pm the parents actually realised that something was um, really really wrong because you know the children didn't come back mm-hmm. and they started searching through the mountain and they could not find anything so on that same day they actually called the police around 8pm Mm, so okay. the police actually presumed the kids got lost in the mountain and combed through Mount and until 3am they still could not locate the children so mm. not long after the children went missing the entire nation started talking about their disappearance so cause you know missing cases are normally involving like one or two people but this was five children which is very very unusual and it's a really huge amount
1: yeah cause it's a whole like, group that went missing
0: exactly so um, there were actually like a lot of theories, like kidnapping, because you know um, I- I'm guessing situating this in 1991, um, it's a very big thing to child traffic, traffic. So kidnapping them and then trafficking them was a very big thing. So there were a lot of theories that that's probably what happened, because that's five children. That's a lot of money, and yeah, it was, it was a thing. So then they also had theories of like North Korean spies adopting these children, and also like UFO. Mm-hmm. So um. Mm-hmm. 11 years later, um, most of this, like, attention of this case was actually, like, gone. Because it's 11 years and and most of the people in the nation actually forgot the case. Mm. Um, but um, on a very, very fateful day in 2001, a man was climbing Mount Warion to 4HA ponds and found bodies of five children. So the particular site that he was on... Happened to be the facility of the Republic of Korea Army Fiftieth Infantry Division's shooting range, which actually relocated mm-hmm. in another nearby town in nineteen ninety four. So, but back in nineteen ninety one, where the children were going up, this site um where the children were found used to be within uh, a infantry facility of the Korean Army. Okay. So, it was very very um. It was very puzzling to the rest of the nation because this was a place that was actually entirely searched before, and like when the boys went missing, like they they actually walked the entire mountain to find the boys. But it was just very odd that these bodies only turned up in um two thousand and one, um. So and like the place like in this mountain was scattered with like bullet casings and stuff like that, um, and naturally like the people. Like, the citizens actually suspected that the children were killed um, by bullets and the military actually covered it up. Mm.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that as well. Because it was yes. a shooting range. Yeah. Yeah, so
0: they are... They were... Very skeptical of the police because they felt like the police or the army actually destroyed the scene by actually like excavating the boys' bodies. And, um, their, their actual announcement of the boys', um, death, right, was actually hypothermia after getting lost. So, even though it was a site that was known to be used by the infantry division, the Korean army and police division insisted that they died of hypothermia, which is being too cold. Um, and then eventually your, your organs and your body starts to shut down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this part is actually quite interesting and I'll touch on it a little bit later. But obviously the fact that they deduced that the cause of death was hypothermia upset the family members and like the local people quite a lot because the boys were, after all, they were not super young. So they were like ranging from like, um, Nine to thirteen, so they were actually very familiar with the local geography, including Mount Warong's hiking trails, cause that's where they grew up. Hmm. So, and Mount Warong was more of like a tall hill rather than a like a huge mountain.
1: So it's not somewhere mm. where you can easily get lost and die. Yeah, and also because and, they said that they were going to find salamander eggs there, like if you weren't familiar with the terrain and stuff, you like you wouldn't even know that there's salamander eggs there. Correct. Yes. Right. So.
0: Even at night, even if the children couldn't find their way back home, the town was actually so lit up so brightly that anybody could simply, like, um, climb and head towards the town, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. in, in 2002, a Korean TV program actually tried to test out this theory. So they sent children around their age, which is like 9 to 13, to Mount Warrior after sun went down. Um okay, so the ethics of the experiment obviously is questionable, but yeah, this was in Does I mean, It sounds a bit um Yeah, it, it is um a bit questionable. Very questionable in fact. Um but the findings of this was actually very, very interesting. Because every single children and and this these children weren't familiar with this space at all, but every single children actually came back to the town single handedly and they were not even scared.
1: Okay. So I mean, they actually a lot managed of- to locate the town. I mean I was going to say that there's a lot of I mean things you can pick apart with this experiment so of course yes <laughs> but I think that's the point that we're trying to to make like
0: if I think it strengthens the point that if children that were already familiar with the local geography they probably would have known how to get out of this like mm. uh, mountain with their own means Um, yeah. it's not like it's like really like in, situated in the like 18th century where there's where like it wasn't a thing, but the whole town was lit up and it would be easy for them to locate where the town is, even if they were lost in a mm-hmm. unfortunate case. Mm-hmm. And it was proven by other children who weren't familiar with the environment and could find their way back to the town just based on locating their light source. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then obviously that made it a bit suspicious because um, it was obviously impos- an impossible theory, like especially for the parents to believe that the children died. Five of them died of hypothermia, and none of them were able to locate the 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 way back to the town. Yeah. So um, the children's body were actually um covered by their own clothes, um, and one of them had the sleeves tied in a knot that was used in industrial settings. So um. So the police actually used this case to say that it was an evidence that they were experiencing hypothermic episodes. So they were covering themselves with their clothes to preserve body heat. Yeah, and they stated Mm. that the knot that was tied on the clothes was actually a behavior that was seen in hypothermia patients as well. Yeah. So, um, eventually, things
1: where like you're so cold that your body thinks it's super hot. Yeah. So then, like, uh, you roll up the sleeves. Okay. It's not even
0: rule, It's like tie a knot. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I found the knot mm. quite interesting also. But yeah, I think they covered themselves just to protect. And we, I think they were so cold. So, you know, when you're so cold, the first thing you want to do is wrap your entire body. So, sometimes, you know, when you're wearing a shirt, then you just put your hands in your shirt instead of mm, just yeah. out. And mm-hmm. it really, it really helps you trap the body heat. So, I think... It made them feel warmer when they took out the shirt and laid down like a blanket instead of wearing the shirt itself because it covered more areas of the body. Mm. So that that's what the police deduced like.
1: Okay. Um
0: but um later on, I mean this case happened ten years later and it's so hard to work with a case and bodies that are so severely decomposed. Mm. But the forensic scientists actually found, eventually came to a conclusion that it wasn't bullets or hypothermia that actually killed them, but a blunt weapon or fatal, fatal stabbing by bladed weapons. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, yeah, the bodies were way beyond decomposition that, um, that it was very, very difficult to pinpoint mm-hmm. the cause of death. But I think just based on the, Whatever they had, it was definitely not hypothermia, and definitely not um bullets because they found like dents in the skull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and you know, so it was quite interesting because there are um, there are, there were witnesses, um for example like. On that day itself in 991, there was a woman who lived near the mountain that actually uh witnessed the children and she claims that she actually overheard them talking about whether they can come back in two hours. Yeah, and there was also another woman living close by that actually testified, saying that she actually witnessed them hiking the mountain around 2 pm. Um and you know, um the Task guy, the guy that was supposed to follow them, also testified that um they saw the children and the of the like hiking through around twelve pm. Uh, um, yeah. So, um, it was a there's just a lot a lot of conflict um between the witness statements. There was also one more, which is by Song Hoon, who was also a student of the same elementary school. Um, who said that he could not see them but heard them. Uh, this particular student, Song Hoon, actually lives in the mount foothills of the mountain. So, um. Yeah, so when he reached a graveyard on the mountainside side of Royal, he heard two screams spread ten seconds apart. Um, since this was before right before lunchtime, he estimated it to be around eleven thirty a.m. Yeah, so um, in two thousand and two, he actually this student actually did an interview and said that um, he still remembers the screams still today, lah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was also very interesting because like um the. Something interesting to add is that around that timing of around eleven thirty a.m. right, the parents of three of the boys actually felt like something was wrong. You know, it's like those things that you just have those. And it it was around the same timing as well. Yeah, but it was just very conflicting in terms of time because like mm-hmm. some people say around nine a.m., some said two p.m., and some said twelve. And Songhun's yeah. one, which I'm guessing is the most powerful, was around eleven thirty a.m. So yeah, um, so. There wasn't really a suspect of the crime because it was so old. Um, so the tools actually used for the murder, um, and like suggested from the fracture marks on the skull were actually very very unusual. Um, and the piece of evidence along with the not used to hide children to hide the children's body narrows the suspect. Um, possible occupation to be uh like someone who works in in a more industrial setting. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And just based on the um and, and this was just deduced from the police force and I think the general public, but like based on how cruel this case was, like burying five children in their own clothes, um, the perpetrator was deduced to be most mm-hmm. likely a single person, um, that was probably never apprehended for any other crime because I think the uh, modus operandi didn't match with any other criminal they had at that point of time. Mm. So um yeah, a
1: single person killing five boys. To me, it's a bit strange because, like, for example, if it's exactly hard, yeah, exactly if, if you were to go after yeah. one boy, then like I'm pretty sure the others would like gang up, you know, or exactly. Like
0: fight back. Yeah, so that so this is an unsolved case. So there is no conclusion to this case, and there's so many theories. Which is why I thought it was very, very interesting that we could think of different perspectives. So, my personal perspective to this case or what I believe it it has to do, it has to do with the military or the police force because I believe that the police force sent such a huge force. It was a nationwide case. Mm-hmm. So, the police force actually went down and combed the entire mountain, but they couldn't find the body. And, like, the forensic sentence also had, like, um, like, um, talk. That they they believe that the children were buried after being killed. So right after being killed, um, and I I don't know the science behind this, but this is what they did use. But like, why is it when they went to comb for the body they couldn't find it? But it was in an area that was pretty much open and military used, because it was literally it used to be part of a military base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So till today, like when I was watching the CNA mm-hmm. documentary. Like, the suspect has not been found. And I say suspect because I'm very sure... This, okay, so this case turned from a missing children's case to a murder case just based on the, the cracks on the skull of the children. Mm. So, I guess it's just very interesting, like, how one guy could have killed five children, Um, how the police were so inefficient in finding out this killer... Um, and I think the very sad thing is that I remember watching the documentary and the fathers of the children that were interviewed kept on saying like, if you were the killer, just admit it. Like, I, and their fathers are now like really old, like, like grandfather age. Like, just thinking like these boys could be like in their early thirties or mm. late twenties if they were still living. And their, their fathers mm. in the video was just like, you can just admit it now. Like, we just want to die with peace, you know, like knowing what happened to our children. Like, the statutes of limitations also expired in 2006 really. So just, mm. just tell the truth. And uh, I guess to me, it's just really scary that there is uh, someone who potentially killed five children that is living out there and living a very relatively normal life. And you never know if this killer has switched their modus operandi to kill other suspects as well. Yeah. Or whether this person is like tried it for the thrills and then never did it again. Or whether this person is a military personnel that maybe the boys saw yeah. something they shouldn't have seen and then they ganked up and killed them together. Mm, the yeah. possibilities are endless. What do you guys
1: think? At first, I thought that it could have been like a freak accident. I mean, this was before you said that um, they found blood loss trauma trauma to their like skulls. So at first, I thought that, okay... Possibly it could be like a freak accident where, like, maybe something happened and then, like, all five boys maybe they really, really got lost or something, or like, I don't know, fell on a ravine or something and then, like, passed away. So, like, even when the police, um, what's the word for it? Scout the area, they couldn't find them. But then, now that you mentioned that it's blunt force trauma. I mean, it could be a person or multiple people. I mean, like, this is going off what they profiled this killer to be. But, like, I personally feel like it couldn't be one person. Like, to me, it Mm. doesn't make sense. Mm. Yeah. And I think something that was
0: very interesting other than that mixed account, right, was the mixed account of the witness. Hmm... Cause like they had very 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 differing timestamps. Yeah.
1: No, but and remember how I I think a few episodes ago I basically mentioned how um eyewitness statements are just unreliable.
0: For sure. For in sure. In general,
1: so like maybe the reason why it doesn't mm-hmm. check out is because you know eyewitness statements are generally unreliable.
0: Yeah. So that's really the end of my story. It is an unsolved case, but I just thought it was very very interesting how, um, really mm-hmm. to think that out there that there's a killer somewhere. Yeah.
1: Wait, did Honda? Did mm. did you have a theory? Mm. I feel like there's some, at least some form of cover up somewhere. On the military's end, is it? On the police end, sorry. I mean, not just the military, but the police as well. I mean, considering the fact that it was a military place. You mm. know. I mean, I never know. Um, this is a thing about unsolved cases that like, I dislike because I love a sense of closure. I know. <laughs> right? Yeah. But unsolved <laughs> cases are just... The thing is like, we can hope that maybe in another 10 years they find out what happens, but you know, only time will tell. Yeah, yeah. I mean hopefully hopefully. the parents are alive you know when they find out yeah that's the shitty thing about like unsolved cases especially unsolved cases of like murders of like very young children it's like the parents have to it's, it's just very traumatic for them and as they age it's like you don't have your children to produce their own children that kind of thing am I making sense Okay, wait, no, let me rephrase this. <laughs> Basically, I'm saying that like it's extra traumatic for parents to have like their children be murdered and then it's the trauma is added on with the fact that it's unsolved. So as yeah, a yeah. parent, it's like you brought this child into the world and like somebody else took their life and you can't ever find that closure because you yeah. don't know who that person is that murdered your child. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite a scary thing to think about. Yeah, and the fact that it was five boys and okay, wait were all the bodies placed by each other like side by side? Yeah,
0: yeah Yes
1: Was it like neatly placed? Like
0: I don't think they went into detail for that not not
1: that I knew Okay Interesting Interesting Yeah, it is really quite an interesting case Yeah, the full episode is on YouTube
0: Yeah, you can watch it on YouTube I watched it on YouTube also It like popped up in my like suggested and I was just like ooh this is interesting
1: The Channel News Asia has some really like nice documentaries I watched their okay I mean this is not a crime documentary but I watched their entire like documentary series on um the KK Children's hospital KK Children? Basically, Children's oh, Hospital in Singapore, yes. and then I also watched their little docu series on um CPS Child Protective Services.
0: Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. it's
1: just it's very interesting, very well edited, and it's a shot, You know, it's like I think three or four episodes. Yeah hmm So if anyone has any theories on the frog boys Frog Boys murder, <laughs> you can like I guess DM us or like comment on like our post, our post yeah. Yeah, let us know what you think.
0: Chris, I'm quite interested in listening to your ghost story because you've been hyping it up.
1: Okay. So I'm just gonna preface this by saying that. I think this is the most whack story I have ever come across. Mm. So the first, whack in a good
0: way or bad way?
1: I don't know. Okay, let's see what y'all think later. So, like the first time I heard of this was on this um podcast called "And That's Why We Drink." So um, one of mm-hmm. the hosts they they said this story, and I remember I laughed so much. And like this story has like never left me. So I thought, okay, you know what? Why don't you why don't I like share this wonderful story with our listeners? Cause it's completely batshit. I'm telling you, okay, it's just batshit, <laughs> it's weird.
0: Okay, let's go.
1: Okay? So, okay, brace yourselves, guys. Cause this is the story of Elizabeth Clara. And it's a love story between her and this alien from the planet Veton <laughs> named
0: No <Acorn>. <laughs> Kil <laughs> <was Chris>! <laughs> Oh my kidding. god, I can see where this area is going already.
1: <laughs> okay, so um the thing is right to get this story um I used Wikipedia as well as uh <laughs> the the um autobiography written by Elizabeth Clara named um oh what's it called? Beyond the Light Barrier. So here's the thing mm-hmm. the the autobiography uh-huh. is really like messy in my opinion and it's a very it reads like a YA novel. Okay. okay. Do you actually read it? Yeah, I, I managed to find um a PDF of it online, but yeah, I guess y'all can search for it. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I'm just going to jump right into this story because um, I have excerpts of what she wrote and I'll just read it out wholesale to y'all because I'm telling you, this story is really... It's on another level. Okay. So, Elizabeth Clara was born on July 1st, 1910 at Moy River Natal, South Africa. Um, At the age of seven, Elizabeth encountered her first UFO while she was feeding her. Sealyham puppies with her older sister Barbara, she saw a silver disc bathed in a pearly luster swoop over them. At the same time, there was a giant orange, red, and cratered planetoid that orbited and rotated high in the atmosphere. Mm. Okay, fair warning to everyone there's a lot of like planetary stuff in here, and I'm just.
0: Yeah, yep, it's again. wild.
1: A few months later, <laughs> Elizabeth. Elizabeth had been out with Ladum, their Zulu farm manager. So Ladum basically told um, Elizabeth some like folk stories and one of which was about how a man and a woman came down from the sky on a cloud and they landed on a hilltop. And these people were white and shining with hair of gold. Um, They lived in a village (laughs) that was lightened by a mightier light than any on this world and wore shining clothes. And they lived in huts with shining grass. Okay. And then Ladum basically pointed at the hill and, like, he said that the heaven dwellers lived there. Okay. So, as Ladum was telling Elizabeth these stories, a sudden black cloud appeared in the horizon with, like, flashes of lightning. Then, as the cloud neared, they could see a silvery spaceship glowing against it. Then from the cloud, there was a funnel like tornado that was filled with fluorescent light. Ladum saw it and said that it was the heaven dwellers and their lightning bird that had come to save them. Yeah. Okay. Um I don't want to get into like super 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 details because oh my god, I'm telling you, Elizabeth goes on and on and on with these like very, very intense descriptions. But um basically Elizabeth felt a connection with the spaceship. So just an interest, not interest check, so just to check. Is everyone with me? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth went on to study art and music in Florence, Italy, and afterwards got a diploma in meteorology at Girton College, Cambridge. She married. Wow, okay. Yeah, I know. She married William Stafford Phillips in 1932, who taught her how to fly a tiger moth light aircraft because she basically longed to be the sky so she would fly this aircraft in the hopes of meeting with a spaceship again mm, um, okay even though years had passed and she gotten married um elizabeth never quite forgot the strange spaceship that she saw in her childhood childhood one day as she was flying over Drankensburg with her husband they were met with a sudden turbulence um okay so the both of them were in a plane okay. I didn't mention that there was a sudden darkness like the fathomless velvet of darkest space and she saw a sphere and <laughs> she basically went to tap her husband and it's so weird because she tapped the husband at the, like on the back of his neck and I'm like why would you tap your husband there and they watched the craft basically slow down by the plane so it was like flying side by side with the plane and the craft turned brassy yellow and there were three potholes and in one of them she could see like the outline of something. Mm. Then suddenly mm. the, the the spacecraft turned on its side, rolled and with intense light just disappeared. So once again Elizabeth felt like a connection with the craft and it was as if there was a magnetic force influencing her mind. And she was certain... about wow, that car. And she was certain that the spaceship she just saw was the exact same one from her childhood. Um, By the way, this autobiography really reads like a YA novel. And I don't know if I <laughs> love it or I hate it, okay? But y'all can make up your mind after this. So, there's this whole thing afterwards of her meeting with the chief. So, apparently, like, she was working for the, um, Royal Air Force and uh, her husband one day just goes and he's like, okay, um, the chief wants to meet us. And the chief basically tells her that she has to find that spaceship at all costs because it could mean the salvation of our planet and our race. Okay. I'm telling you, Mm -hmm. it sounds super fake, like a YA novel
0: Because, Mm. okay, also
1: the reason why she was tasked with this, right, was because she wasn't afraid of the spacecraft.
0: Okay, okay. So they were like, okay,
1: I guess you're (laughs) the right person for this. Okay, go on. Okay, surprisingly though, Elizabeth viewed us humans as a threat more than the potential aliens. Like, throughout the entire autobiography, she keeps talking shit about humans. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, knowing that the spaceship would eventually return, Elizabeth prepared herself spiritually, mentally, and intellectually. So she would she worked to develop telepathy. And she would practice with horses, dogs, cats, plants, and machines, and anything she claimed that had an electric spark of life. Okay. Eventually uh... she went Cape Eventually she went to Cape Town where You guessed it. She witnessed the spacecraft once again. She even described the scene like a Dali painting. So she said the way it looked was like out of a Dali painting. Suddenly there was a fire. And as she and her husband were running away, because they were in planes, a petrol (laughs) tank exploded. Oh, man. I'm I'm trying not to laugh, but... (laughs) And when I tell you that this sounds like a YA novel, it does, because she goes... She goes through the whole, I was enveloped in darkness and then there was a fading light and then like, I felt like coolness and Elizabeth felt herself on like grass upon a hill overlooking the sea and then there was a voice that went, she is out of danger now. It's quite remarkable. I didn't expect her to pull through. Uh. So to summarize, (laughs) Elizabeth basically said... That she was saved by an alien man from this explosion. <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to laugh. I love this story. She has given up. So eventually, Elizabeth was taken to a hospital and she was discharged. After this incident, Elizabeth waited for the man who had saved her. She wanted to make contact with him so she basically thought that the only way that she could communicate with him was through her mind and then on a stormy night she was like meditating to connect with him and the man's spaceship landed and Elizabeth essentially goes to say that she knew we had found each other and through this they formed a bond of affinity and love. What the hell? <laughs> on April 7th, 1956, she was brought into his ship. I'm serious. Okay, but before really? that, right, she encountered the ship closely once uh, when she was up on a hilltop and she described the ship as 18 meters in diameter with a rounded dome and in the middle... Uh, okay, a rounded dome in the middle and three large potholes through which... Um, She saw the same figure. And then um, she says that she looked back at him, basically at the figure, while he stood there with his arms crossed over his chest. And he regarded her with a compelling and hypnotic attraction. <laughs> and she said that his eyes seemed to influence and control her. But here's the thing, okay guys. Elizabeth found this alien man very handsome. Shut the hearts for this dude. No! <laughs> it's so gross.
0: No. It gets better. I'm telling you this story this gets better. This is the better.
1: horror part. <laughs> um, the ship's hull had been spinning rapidly in a clockwise motion while the dome remained still. And then several months later which is April 7, 1956 she finally got pulled into the ship. Um, <laughs> So on the morning of April 7th um, Elizabeth woke up and she had like this feeling like the alien man had appeared so she literally ran to the hilltop and he was he was standing there <laughs> okay and I swear to you okay the next part I had no way of articulating this so I'm just going to read out wholesale what happened okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are you ready is everyone ready yeah <laughs> okay I think so Beside it stood a tall man. I looked at him with awe and I could feel my beating heart. In that wonderful moment, I didn't hesitate but ran down the rough slope straight to the man beside his ship. Within seconds, I was at his side. Laughing gaily, he caught me round the waist and swung me up on oh the hull God. of his ship. What? We both laughed as though it was the most natural thing in the world. Then oh he spoke God. to me in precise English And his voice was like a <laughs> caress oh, Not afraid this time <laughs> Holding me close in his <laughs> Help me, help Holding me close in his arms He smiled gently as I looked up into his kind grey eyes Oh shit I have <laughs> known your face within my heart all my life I answered I am what not the? from any place on this planet called Earth He whispered with his nips in my hair Oh my god. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. That's and then so basically weird. the alien man took her into his ship. And she describes the interior of the ship as very shiny with circular walls. And there was like soft light. And there were like no cables or wires anywhere. Okay.
0: <laughs> and she described the floor
1: as like having this rose type carpeting that was soft yet firm and she could feel like this soft humming vibrations and that's when Elizabeth knew that like this spaceship was taking off. And then the the strange man, right, he brought her to this bench and made her sit down and I'm gonna read up wholesale I'm gonna read out wholesale what this is, okay? Yeah. So the guy makes her sit down on a bench right and then he goes my name is Acorn," he said. I am a scientist, and my research takes me to many planets beyond our home system. Sharon, who greeted you as we came in, is my pilot, and he is also a scientist. Our home system is beyond, far beyond this small star with its family of planets. We come from a double star system. With wonder, I looked into his eyes. Those fantastic, compelling eyes. He smiled at me in his gentle way and then his whole face lit up for a fleeting moment. I was fascinated by his strong and fine appearance, tall and strikingly handsome with a force of character unknown to me. His Mm. ascetic face was grave but tender and his golden hair shone white at the temples as he moved his head to glance the viewing lens.
0: It was Mm. a most
1: striking face, with aquiline features, high cheekbones and light grey eyes slanting up to the temples. His forehead was high, his skin golden and fair, with no vestige of suntan. There were humour lines around his eyes and deep lines on his cheeks. He was an older man, well past middle age, with a strong (laughs) and lithe body just under 2 metres in height. Okay. (laughs) Uh, In my notes It literally says Screaming Because that was What I was doing In my head As I was reading this I would be Screaming Oh my god How are they even Good looking I don't
0: know (laughs) I need a picture Man Just to confirm Okay you can actually
1: Google what he looks like Like the way She she, like Drew him out Or something No Oh my god Chris you should draw One day Oh my god Maybe I should Okay So basically Not only is Acorn like super good-looking and, like, super strong and light and just under two meters in height. But Akon can also read her mind. So Elizabeth was essentially wondering... (laughs) (laughs) So Elizabeth was, like, wondering, like, how this guy can communicate in English, like, and stuff. And then he... Okay, so she was also wondering, like, about, like, relationships. And he just goes... I would not have you otherwise. I love you as you are. You are now one of us. <laughs> More screaming.
0: Okay. Uh-huh.
1: Okay, so here's another passage I'm going to read wholesale because honestly, there's no way for me to like articulate this story other than to like I know, I know. tell you what I know. she wrote down, okay? So I need you all to prepare yourselves mentally, spiritually, intellectually, as she had... I think I'm prepared Okay My beloved He whispered There is no need for you To say anything I know everything I have observed you before It is a knowledge And understanding That we share And you now belong to me It was only necessary For me to wait Until you had grown up In this knowledge And understanding To be one of us You must think as we do I observed you First when you were a child with your sister oh in the God. garden of your home in the valley oh my adjoining God. the hill. <laughs> At other times, I have watched you growing up, flying through the skies oh of God. earth looking for me, and I watched while <laughs> the lightning high in the sky wrapped you with that its purifying so flame <laughs> to make you mine. Okay, wait. It has been a lifetime for me, I whispered back. Your delicate <sighs> face is still filled with wonder and awe, he answered. <coughs> Gathering me into his arms. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm gonna try to calm myself down because I'm really, really trying, game. Gathering me into his arms, he kissed me on the lips. (laughs) A magical electric current seemed to fuse us together in an eternity of ecstasy. In that moment, Uh (laughs) I knew that the art of love was one of the mind and soul, not only of the body... Smiling at my thoughts, <laughs> he put his head gently under my chin, tilting my head back and looking deep into my eyes. We rarely mate with earth women women, he said. When we do, we keep the offspring to strengthen our race and infuse new oh blood. Oh
0: my god.
1: <laughs> okay. Then basically Acorn went to tell Elizabeth that she was a reincarnation of his like long lost Venusian soulmates. So basically they come from this planet. Yeah. So and eventually the little spaceship that they were on, um like I guess docked on the main mothership. And Akon basically gave Elizabeth a tour of the place. And Elizabeth went on to meet a whole bunch of other like alien inhabitants in the ship before they had to like leave her back on Earth. So they returned her to the hilltop. Then in April... Okay. Then in April 1958, Acorn took Elizabeth once again into his ship. <laughs> no. This time, Acorn was like, why don't you take a shower? Because like, your, your oh, shoes are dirty or whatever. Oh my god. So Elizabeth... I don't, like don't like where this is heading. After her shower, she stood in front of a few mirrors naked and like she began to brush her hair and then all of a sudden Akon like came up behind her and he put his fingers into her hair and like he sort of like brushed his face and lips against it then he took a silver ring off his pinky finger and he put it on Elizabeth's middle finger and then I kid you not they proceed to woohoo. Is it in detail? Um, no. But I'm going to re- read out the thing anyway. <laughs> uh, it's not in detail, it's not in detail. Okay, and this is super t- I <laughs> Okay, I could- So this is what she said, okay? I could feel and sense the magic properties emanating from the ring. Akon put his hand under my chin, tilting my head up and back, and kissed me with a long and lingering kiss on the lips. Picking me up in his arms, he carried me to the silken platform by the curved wall. Its firm softness supported our bodies with luxurious comfort as I gave myself. <laughs> Did to you the say man. Sperm no, of just now? No, okay. no, no, no. Okay. Okay. What was that? Anyway, so um. Supported the bodies with luxurious comfort as I gave myself to the man from outer space. My beloved, my life, Akon whispered again and again as I surrendered in ecstasy to the magic of his lovemaking. Our bodies merged in a magnetic union as the divine essence of our spirits became one, and in doing so, I became whole. As our bodies became oh one, god. the fusion oh of the god. electric ex- essence of life was attained, and the ensuing ecstasy and balance of electrical forces transcended all things experienced in life.
0: Me and her are <laughs> really fitted to be friends.
1: <laughs> Is there still more? Please tell me there's no. Okay, okay, more. okay, okay. There's one more wild thing that happens, and then, like, okay, don't. Oh worry. my god. So, one more. Oh my god, what could it be? Okay, don't worry. Don't worry. No more excerpts, okay? But, um... <laughs> Elizabeth apparently got pregnant from this. <laughs> 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 so, Akon brought her to his home planet of Mithon, which was... Okay, I don't know what all these are, but just, just listen up, then maybe I'll explain it, okay? So, Akon brought his... Brought her to his home planet of Meton, which was orbiting Proxima Centauri, which is like a star, which was in the Alpha Centauri system, which is a star system, and she basically mm-hmm. gave birth to a boy. And okay, Elizabeth, like in her autobiography, she sort of like explains this, but in in summary, like the birth was like completely play- painless and like comfortable. What okay, <laughs> I'm okay, like wow, why can't I give birth like that? Not that I'm giving birth anytime soon or giving birth because I'm not (laughs) pregnant, but... Okay, so, um, Elizabeth named her son Ailing. A-Y-L-I-N-G. Because Elizabeth wanted his name to start with an A, like acorn. And apparently (laughs) Ailing also meant like noble and prince of royal blood. Okay. Unfortunately, Elizabeth had to leave her alien son on Meton to receive (laughs) alien education while she returned home. And by the okay. way, Elizabeth was like forty-eight at this time. Yeah. Anyway, old. by <laughs> the way, like apparently the like the times are different. So time works differently on like the spaceship, the other planet than it is on Earth. So like apparently by the time she got back, for um like her, her sister and her brother in law were like very sick. Yeah. Oh yeah they were like really old, I guess I don't know anyway she uh, she said in her biography that she was like at this point, I was like my brain was starting to die out from reading her biography so um anyway, years later, okay, so this is after her sister and brother in law passed away um Elizabeth moved to Johannesburg, but she said that she didn't enjoy city life, and like <laughs> Her story was, I guess, very quite well known at this time. So she would get a lot of interviews by the press for story. And like obviously a whole bunch of people used to bash her for it as well. Because like Yeah, for sure. I mean, who would believe you if you said that you slept with an alien? Like she Yeah. Okay, yeah. And eventually at the age of eighty-four, Elizabeth passed away due to breast cancer. However, okay. before she <laughs> passed, she okay. told um acquaintances that Ailing was an astrophysicist like his father <laughs> and was traveling the universe with um Acorn Help. as well as his spacewoman Clear and their son. Yeah. Oh no Uh wait, there's something well, else I well, have I... to say. Uh, oh. I can't remember this. Okay, I can't remember what I was gonna say, but yeah, so that that's the story of Elizabeth Clara. It's really damn whack. Oh, okay, okay. I remember what I was going to say. So, um, in the beginning of her autobiography, right, she literally, um she dedicates, a part of her dedication is dedicated to Acorn. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, Acorn is spelled A-K-O-N, like the rapper Acorn. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. So, that's the story <laughs> of Elizabeth Clara. Damn whack.
0: I tell you my brain juice is gone I'm ready for bed like really just brain
1: juice time <laughs> oh my god I think this is like my favourite story so far it's hilarious oh my god dude okay, like, Chris I, is the, like on a, the way she writes <laughs> oh yeah the yes, way she, the so way she writes it really sounds like a YA novel it really Hell. does you know what it reminds me of what Fifty Shades of Grey Why Fifty Shades of Grey? No, I don't know. Like the writing in Fifty Shades of Grey sounds kind of similar. Shades of Grey is better than this. No, I think this is (laughs) much better. Is it really? The romanticizing. I mean, hey, nothing wrong with writing a good alien love story. There's some people who dig that. Okay. (laughs) Apparently, me because I had to read this entire. I read the entire autobiography, by the way. It's 130 pages long. I'm very. Chris, I think
0: you're currently at your. Your peak of needing sexual affection. First it's whatever you talk to in class and now it's this. <laughs> Stop. Wow, I can't oh agree. God, I see I the know, pattern. Chris. I get you. Any of our audience that wants to be matched with Chris, just comment in the DMs below. I'm going to cut she this wants... out. <laughs> Stop. Chris is feeling needy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just waiting for my um. I guess uh, alien. alien alien man with um, no. I know who you're waiting for. Who? Henry Cavill. Stop. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna give like our listeners some context there Okay, so um, I'm terrified of Henry Cavill. Like Henry Cavill is is a good looking man. Okay, he's very good looking, but something about him in, like, domestic life. Like, if he's not in movies, just terrifies the living shit out of me, okay? I can watch a movie with him in it and I'll be like, wow, he's hot. But the moment you show me a picture of him, like, in an interview, wearing regular clothes, I'm like, wow, he's scary. So, yes. um, I don't want to have anything to do with Henry Cavill, though he did play Superman, who is an alien. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um Ideal Man Chris Evans, are you out there? If you're listening, hit me up. Hit yes, here. please hit her up. <laughs> <laughs> she needs something. Stop.
0: She really needs something so that she'll stop writing stories like this.
1: No <laughs> Yeah, anyway, um I think I'll post some pictures of like what she drew Acorn as, um as well as Yes. I think there's also like this um, image she drew of like, what his house would like or something. I don't know. It's it's all very interesting.
0: Yeah, share it. Sure. <laughs> I will. This week's stories has been quite a clear contrast and dichotomy. So... <laughs> How what? do we end this now? Look at us. Have <laughs> you enjoyed
1: this episode? <laughs> okay, my so, Okay, I guess in this <laughs> oh whole hoo um, my story paranormal aspect comes to the fact that he's an alien. <laughs> yes, I know that. I kind of figured that out when you were saying the story already. <laughs> love a good alien story. Okay, this is different from, like, your usual alien UFO sighting, okay? This is like... Yes. This is like a true account of of a love that transcends, like, universal boundaries, dude. Like, he lives uh, on a whole. Star. And I actually can think of a similar story. What? No, it's not really similar. There's no love aspect to it, but it's just this um apple farmer who who got taken by a UFO and then the aliens taught him how to like drive the ship. Oh. Oh. That's so wholesome. Yeah, he even wrote a book about it. Oh my god, that is so wholesome. I would be terrified if aliens have bluffed me also I think that I would annoy the shit of them and they would just like throw me back on earth they'll be like um no thank you <laughs> or maybe I'll read this story out to them and <laughs> they will be <laughs> are, are you my one true love are you my one are you acorn <laughs> <laughs> are you my acorn are you my oh my god! are we gonna make an alien stop
0: <laughs> Oh my god, I'm just going to ignore that you ever said that, Honda.
1: If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us 5 stars on Apple Podcasts and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and whatever podcast platform you listen to.
0: And you can follow us on Instagram at HAUpodcasts. Show us a DM or send us stories if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and
1: see you guys next week. Yeah, Bye! If you have 7-month um, stories, do DM it to us. Um, if you've got alien love stories, please
0: do, do not DM it. Uh,
1: DM it to us, please. I want, I want <laughs> Chris more. Will,
0: Chris will read them for you. Oh my god.
1: I don't know. Maybe you have like a real, like a, 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 a supernatural love story. Like, please tell us. Tell me. I love love stories. <laughs> anyway, um, I hope everyone stays safe, take care of yourselves, and stay healthy. Yep. If you get abducted by aliens, please don't fall in love with them.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, just, just just, don't. You know? <laughs> don't do
1: anything Elizabeth Clara did. Just none of yes. it. Yes. Okay, see you next week. Bye. See you guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.